Hello, Alex Zane here. Thank you for choosing to listen to Just The Facts. And while you can still enjoy these episodes forever, you might want to check out our brand new show, A Trip To The Movies, where each week a different famous film fan curates their perfect night out at the cinema, picking what snacks they'd eat, where they'd sit, who they'd go with, and of course, what movies they'd screen. If you love cinema as much as we do, search A Trip to the Movies with Alex Zane or head to our socials at Trip to Movies Pod. That's at Trip to Movies Pod to find out more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Alex Zane and welcome to Just The Facts, a conversation about the career and achievements of a different actor or filmmaker every week. And welcome to episode 25. If episodes were years, we're a quarter of a century old, but they're not and we're not. But we are blessed with a wonderful guest this week for episode 25, an actor who is as at home in comedy as he is in drama. The brilliant Jimmy Akingbola is my guest on the show all the way from his home in Los Angeles, where he is currently shooting Bel Air, a dramatic retelling of the globally successful sitcom The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, exec produced by Will Smith himself. So I'll admit to being a little surprised when I found out Jimmy actually lived in L.A. simply because he has been such a familiar face on some huge British shows from Tom Hollander's Rev to ITV's massively successful sitcom Kate and Koji, which came out last year, to the crime drama The Tower, which aired last week on ITV on three consecutive nights and is now available to watch in its entirety on the ITV hub. We talk all about those shows, about his love of straddling both drama and comedy, how it all began for him and what made him decide to make L.A. his home. We also talk about DC's Arrowverse auditioning to be part of that show and what it's like playing a super-powered bad guy. That's all coming up 
in 30 seconds time very quickly a little request from us here at jtf pod as always if you do like the show please subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you get your pods and if you've got time to leave us a quick rating and review that would be lovely really appreciated also give us a little follow on instagram and twitter if only so you can play each week's edition of guess the guest Congratulations to Gary Bailey and Arden on Twitter and Aaron Seddon and Bobby on Instagram who were our first four correct answers in this week. A well done, gentlemen. Finally, if you would like to watch this interview as opposed to just listen, the full video interview will be available on our JTF Pod YouTube channel this Friday. Subscribe now. Enjoy. All right, then. It's time. Please welcome to Just The Facts, the tremendously talented... Jimmy Akimbola. Right, time to kick the tires and light the fires. Let's do hey. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Jimmy, <laughs> how are you? I'm good, Alex. Um, you know, I'm in LA, so the sun's out. I don't want to gloat, but I've getting messages from friends saying, Jimmy, it's horrible. It's cold, it's dark in the UK. So um, so yeah, to start off talking about the weather. I'm I'm really good. I'm happy. I'm a happy man. <laughs> uh, you can take the Brit out of Britain, but it's still a weather-based conversation. I, exactly. I won't like. It's freezing here, Jimmy. It's 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 winter. Feels like it's it's arriving now. So it's a good time to be in LA. Do you like it out there? Are you having fun out there? I am. I am, Alex. I I, I love it. I, I I remember the first time I came out here. I think I did a short trip in 2010 and. And immediately I just connected with the spirit of the place. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, I suppose, yes, the weather, but also the energy, the, the, the possibility, the sense of things can really happen here. And I've always had a few sort of uh, Brit friends out here doing their thing as well. So that's always been very inspiring. But I'm a sun baby. I know I'm bringing it back <laughs> to the weather. I, but I'm a sun baby, Alex. Seriously, I, I think I've got a little bit of SAD. You know, it's that, that thing when... You wake up and it's dark. <laughs> you go and do work, you know, and you come out on your lunch break and it's still dark. You're like, but it's 1 p.m. Oh, yeah, you missed you miss that one, that 30 minutes of sun at 11.30, Alex. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, that's interesting that you talk about the energy of the place. Like, when you say that, so it, does it feel different for you in that industry specifically, I guess, working out there compared to the UK? Yeah, it does. I think it really does. I think there's a sense of, there's a sense of like positivity here. You have to have it because it's so hard and, and crazy here. And there is the yin and yang of this place. You know, there is lots of opportunity and it's really exciting. But on the other end of it, yeah, you can, yeah, you know, people can fall off here. It can be really, there's a lot of sort of a broken dreams, I suppose. And mm. uh, I think uh, the pressure can get to people as well as I think mentally, I think it can be challenging here that you're surrounded by... I don't know, sort of success in all different forms. How big's how big's that house? Who's on that billboard? <laughs> you know, yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. You know, looking great. So there's lots of things depending on what type of person you are, you have to work through. But yeah, the UK I do love also, but it's just there's a sense of I call it grind that's required, mm. I think, of the UK. And uh and um and even like in London, I think in some ways. I needed a, uh, I needed a change, you know. I needed a, a city that was a bit more vast, open, you know, better weather, and had a different sort of 
attitude about it. And everyone's like, why did you not go to New York? And I was like, well, New York reminds me of London. That yeah. sometimes New York is like London or the UK times 200, you know? Mm. And I was just like, oh, I don't need that. I want to keep the work ethic, but I want a different sort of environment around me. And here I am. Yeah, there you are. And what you're doing out there is pretty gosh darn exciting as well, what you're filming out there. Um, I'll, I'll let you tell me what you're filming out there at the moment rather than, yeah. than I've, I've read all about it because I'm fascinated by it as a concept. But what is it? Yeah, I'm filming a series called Bel Air. Mm. For those of you that are listening, that's a, it's a remake of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but it's a drama. So we're not having the audacity to try and do the comedy again. I don't think you can. The comedy still stands up now, but this is a reimagining of the comedy, uh, hour-long drama, EPs, Will Smith, Quincy Jones, all the original people from the original show. And uh, I'm playing Jeffrey. I'm playing man like Jeffrey. And uh, it's I'm so happy about it because it's an iconic show that we've all grown up with. It's a, it's a show you can... You say this name anywhere in the world, Alex, and people are like, oh yeah, I know that show. And um, and it's exciting to do a retelling of it. So we're all able to own these iconic characters that we know and we've grown up with. And because we're able to sort of go deeper with an hour, you're able to flesh out all the themes a bit more. And, uh, and also in terms of Jeffrey, we're gonna be able to get to know more about him because the setup in the comedy he had some really good sort of one-liners but you didn't really know much about him he had a couple of episodes when he you know he thought he had won the lottery and he <laughs> told them <laughs> what he thought of them but in, in terms of uh, this dramatic version i think you're going to get to know all our favorite characters even more because it is it's a comedy drama isn't it it's it's, it's so it's, it's it's certainly not a sitcom i know that but it's still there are, there are jokes in it it's not it's not well, just a pure dramatic retelling or is it no it's a pure dramatic retelling it's okay a pure dramatic retelling alex yeah I, my analogy alex is like look, i'm a big fan of only fools and horses right yeah so if you take the comedy out of that you've still got working class boys you know from southeast london trying to do well you know what i mean and you know trying to sell stuff and you know if you if you take the comedy out, there's still a lot of hardcore themes. They're missing their mother, you know, having to look after the granddad. You, you, if you just sort of, I call it, flip it a bit, you, you, can't, you could do a Own Fools and Horses um, a drama. And I, and I suppose there are going to be light moments in the, in the show, but yeah, it's a full-on dramatic version. I suppose the song, right? He has a fight in the basket on the basketball court, and then yeah. he gets sent to Philadelphia, and you know that's all light. But if you have a fight with someone that literally might be someone on the streets that might have a gun, like you really have to get to Bel Air because <laughs> you're fearing for your life. And I think uh, just not to give too much away, if you even if you started from that point, it changes everything. And also, we're in a different time now, right? I let you, you know, in terms of social media, where we are politically, but also, was it 20, 30 years on, a lot still hasn't changed, you know, in terms of, you know, racial profiling and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be a really exciting show. And I think we're going to be able to uh, please those that those people that know the original, but also those people that are coming to it for the first time. And it's a kind of fairy tale story isn't it how this came to be in the first place so there's a guy morgan cooper who yeah. who puts it with is it a tra- i think it's a trailer or a, a short film a kind of a, an idea splurge let's call it a video that he yeah. puts up on youtube 
um, yeah. of of this concept, and yeah, yeah. and then it just it catches the attention of Will Smith. Yeah, I know, I know. Listen, I, you know, you know the space that you work. You know what it's like to to have people watching your content, and you know for it to be shared, and you yeah. know you build up your following. But for this director to one Alex, I think it would spend like twenty to thirty grand to do this trailer. There was no guarantee anyone would see it. You know what I mean? We've all put things on YouTube and it's like, <laughs> oh, I've got 20 followers. Oh, that's my mum, my cousin. That's my mate, you know? And um, to put this out there, it was amazing because when I saw it, I saw it towards the end of 2019 and it looked so good, Alex, that I thought it was the trailer for the actual show. Yeah, yeah, so I, was yeah. a bit, I was a bit peed off, really. I was like, oh, shot it already. <laughs> not, not worth even contacting my agent. Like, they've cast it already. Um, and then when I heard that, basically, I'm, I, I believe in doers, and he's a doer. He did this trailer almost as a calling card, as a director, because he's done short films, he's done a lot of commercials and stuff like that. Uh, but actually, for him, it was a win-win. You know, I'm showing, like, I'm expressing myself as an artist, and uh, I believe and I think it's great. If anything happens, great. If not, then this is the this is something I can use to go and speak to production companies or networks. And then I think it was in ten hours, Alex. Within ten hours, I think it went viral, and I and I think Will Smith called him probably <laughs> after five hours. The rumor is, and that might not be true, but I know like somehow he's got the call, and it's like, who's this? He's like, hey, it's Will. And then <laughs> the rest is history. Um, he's very talented. I think you hit the nail on the head, though, because uh, from everything I've heard about it, it, it's it's uncynical in the way he went about it. It, it wasn't that thing, because I think you could look at it on paper and go, oh, man, I wish I'd had that really clever <laughs> idea to get the attention of Will Smith yeah. to pitch an idea on YouTube. But I think, like you say, he made it because he had a, he wanted to make it. He wanted to show off what he could do. And sure, he had this idea, but it was without cynicism. Yeah, no, you're so right. You're right. And you know, come on, sometimes you, you can't play those games with yourself. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this. I don't really want anything to, <laughs> yeah. but when it, anything to happen, but when you really are in that place of like, look, this is just what I'm doing, you know, mm -hmm. then I think great things happen. And, and within this job, there's so many beautiful connections. And, you know, even me playing Jeffrey, you know, when I, when people find out I'm in the show, they're like, oh, who are you playing? I'm like, Really? <laughs> but I get it. There's a lot of Brits playing Americans. But for me, it's such an honor to play Jeffrey. Uh, Joseph Marcel, who played the original, you know, mm -hmm. he, I, I've worked with him before. And, and oh, to, shit. Yeah, yeah. So even that little connection to say, like, look, we've worked together and now I'm playing this iconic role that you created. And, and it's, you know, mine's going to be a bit different, but I'm really proud of that. And, um, and it's so nice to see people's faces when they're like, oh, my God, you're playing Jeffrey. Um, and I just, I just feel like it's an exciting time to be a part of a show that the way it started, it reminds me of uh, Ryan Coogler in, uh, who created Creed, right? Mm -hmm. He was a young man that used to watch Rocky with his grandma, you know, and Rocky's an amazing movie. But he went and repitched it to Sylvester Stallone, kept chasing him down going, look, this is the new Rocky. Stallone was like, what? Well, obviously, like, that was like the Great White Hope story, great, but if you look at history of heavyweights, we haven't got a Rocky with a black boxer yet. And it's just crazy, you know? And, and then I think it took a while, but then Sylvester's like, of course. And to, and to now, and now we've got this whole new retelling of Rocky, but it's called Creed and it's still connected. You, you've still got the original characters. And I think that's when 
I get excited about sort of things being redone. You know, when you, it's the way in. When there's a blatant like, oh, we're just going to do Dirty Rotten Scoundrels again. I'm like, oh, that, that's a classic. You can't, you can't really touch, you shouldn't really touch that. Just, just create something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. This sort of the description of how Ryan Coogler sort of, you know, he like let, let's say he chased uh, Sylvester Sloan down and did keep pitching it and that tenacity, but also that kind of fits into what you're saying about being in LA and sort of being on the doorstep of those people and that environment and, and being able to do that. Do you feel like that you have that opportunity yourself in terms of being so geographically close and part of the machinery of LA now and Hollywood and making this show that you, you know, are in the right place at the right time to make stuff happen for yourself? I, I do, Alex. I mean, I, I moved out here in uh, sort of 2015 and I've been going back and forth because it's always been important to me to keep working in the UK. But I, same- that, I think that would come as a surprise to people because obviously you're so uh, prelevant, uh, rele- uh, not relevant, uh, prolific on, on UK TV, you know, with Kate yeah. and Koji, with um, uh, yeah, the Idris Elba uh, show on, on Sky long One. Run, yeah. yeah, in the long run. So I think it was, I, I didn't realise you'd been out there that long. Yeah, yeah, I had. And I suppose it just it came from off the back of what you were saying. When I when I left Holby City, it was bizarre. I was only in the show for three years and it wasn't my first TV break. You know, I had done like shows like Rev and, you know, Holby Blue and lots of theatre. But I, I, I felt a bit of a glass ceiling, you know, in terms of UK is much smaller and there's a sense of like one in, one out. Do you know what I mean? If you've got a type, you know, well, we've already got you, the, the one of you, we're not going to give you anything. And I was like, actually, the US has always been something I've been interested in. And also I think um, my, the way that I operate my energy, I'm an actor, but I like to produce my company, Trifles Creative Network. We've always been doing sort of stuff around diversity and inclusion before it became buzzwords and yeah. a big thing. Uh, and, and I think, Coming to America, <laughs> give the pun. <laughs> love that movie, love that movie. Oh, wow, wow, that was perfect, that was perfect. I want to be Coming to America 3. Um, but coming to America, I just felt like I could do everything I'd been doing in the UK, uh, but on a higher level, because you are on the doorsteps of people that can make it happen. I jumped in an Uber, and I bumped into, like, one of these top commissioners of, like, Amazon, and then... Uh, uh, and she was a Brit and we just we just hit it off and she's like well what did you do I was like well I'm doing a show at the moment blah 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 I was on Arrow at the time but I was like oh I've got this production company and we do a lot of stuff with diverse writers and actors and next minute oh here yeah, let's exchange emails and you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. all right my company's talking to Amazon now and mm-hmm. and again like the uh, the way the guy put the trailer, Morgan Cooper put it out. I wasn't like, Ooh, who's in, who's in this Uber sharing this Uber with me? It wasn't just being cheap doing an Uber pool, but it's like, oh, <laughs> let's let's talk. If you're a Brit, I'm a Brit. Let's talk. And then actually, if you're already doing something, Alex, then when those situations happen, it's not so Machiavellian, right? You can just be like, oh, oh, great, you're in that space. I work in this space. And if if something happens, if there's a connection, great. If not, there isn't. And I think that's in the producer side of things. But with, as an actor, in my first year, I was like bumping into, I don't know, Demi Moore's going up for J-Lo sort of show, Matthew McConaughey uh, movies. And it was just like, this is a bit different from, no disrespect from, you know, doing my first episode on Doctors. It's, it is mad, isn't it, LA? I mean, I remember the first time I ever went there 
um, I, I was put up in the Mondrian by the film company on Sunset, and I was like, "Look at that! Whoa, yep. this is cool!" Yep. Went down for breakfast. Spike Lee having breakfast two tables away, having a meeting over breakfast. I'm like, "This is insane!" That like, crazy. You know, I'm, just, I'm just at a hotel, and it's fucking Spike Lee over there. It's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. LA, man. It's it, it it's is crazy, right? You and do, how do you feel when that happens? Like, it, it's, a, it's a weird one, right? Because, you know, you might bump into Jonathan Ross in Soho and stuff like that, and that's mm-hmm. all cool. But someone like Spike Lee, like, yeah. it's just... But it's, it's that double-edged sword, though. It's like you said at the start. On the one hand, you're like, this is amazing because, you know, he's right there. And yeah. I, I, I would love to be involved in that conversation i want to be the one sitting opposite spike lee pitching a freaking movie to him or something and so and then you're not and so you do then sort of go oh shit like unless you're in that world then you are just always an observer watching people having those meetings there you go there you go there's the yin and yang of it you're right there's the yin and yang of it and if you do try and go and talk to him you get kicked out <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the that's the harsh reality. We can all go. I could I could just go over and tell him about my movie. You couldn't. No, you couldn't go over. Uh, so um, I saw the video where Will Smith um, lets uh, Jabari Banks know that he's got the part of Will. Uh, it's on YouTube where he, he gives him a call, tells him he's playing Will in Bel Air. Lovely video, and it, like obviously pretty special for. Uh, him because it's I think it's one of his first first big gigs. Yeah, one of his first major gigs. Full stop. And um, how did you find out about it though? Did did Will call you? Uh, um, uh, um, obviously, Will was too busy to call yeah. me. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, we're not talking. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> to me, you know what he did? <laughs> no, no, I'm he, joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Obvious. Obviously, for Jabari, it is, you know, there was a no. very special moment to give the kid a break in a movie. But, you know, you're a seasoned oh, pro. You don't need to hear from Will, man. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah. it's cool, you know. But no, he didn't call me. But when I got the call, Alex, it was quite interesting. I'd been in the UK for almost two years because of I went back to do In the Long Run with mm. uh, Idris Elba. And then I was ready to get back to LA to get back on the, you know, the, the LA momentum. And then something happened, this thing called the pandemic happened. And, uh, and so I realized that I, uh, I had to be in the UK and be around family. It was a really tough time. And then when this, I had a year of like being close to some amazing big jobs, like, you know, the Apple series, some great mm-hmm. films, Netflix, Amazons, and it's like, you know, I, I'm very grateful. I work quite a lot, but everyone's like, Jimmy, you, you must get yeses all the time. I'm like, no, I still get a lot of no's. Do you know what I mean? A lot of close calls. And so when this came, the audition came through, it said Jeffrey, and it, originally, I think it said in the 50s. And I was like, you know, I like character actors. Like, you know, I feel like I do re- leading roles, but, you know, doing stuff like Crackhead Mick and Rev or Valentine, I love building and creating crack characters. But I was like, no, this is pushing it. I don't think I can do Jeffrey. <laughs> and also I'm thinking of the me as a kid watching it going, I can't do this guy. And then they got back to me and said, eh, they're going much younger in my American team. And, uh, and so I auditioned, so a bit like, well, let me just give this a go. It's not going to happen. And then when you start auditioning for something and then you, you know, you, you go through the works of it, suddenly you fall in love with it, don't you? And it's like, I really, really want this. Um, but I had a lot of sort of, yeah, between you and this other guy, but they were, they were no's. And so uh, I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks and a good friend of mine had 
had a recall with the directors and producers. So I was like, oh, well, I didn't get this. I didn't get for this. For the job. same role? Your friend was up same for the role. same role. Yeah, right. for the same role. You know, you know, it's like, you all know each other. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You for it as well? Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Let's stay friends yeah. afterwards. Whoever gets it, we'll stay friends, yeah? Definitely. Exactly. <laughs> you have to have that, that, that sort of chat before, don't you? But when the call came, it caught me off guard because I was very busy auditioning for these other things. I just done sorry I didn't know my comedy panel show on ITV. And when you get a conference call from your team, it's either we've got to work something out, you're close to something, you might have a job, or we need to strategize on some moves, you know? Hmm. So I just didn't know. And when they uh when they told me, I, I literally cried, man. I literally burst hmm. out crying. It was it was amazing. And uh I mean my agent, she called it uh, Joffrey. I was like, no, it's not Joffrey, it's Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Game <laughs> of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but, yeah. No, go on, carry on. No, sorry, I was saying, I was just tears, tears of joy, you know, sadness as well. Just because you know, some people that I lost recently that are not around to see me play this role. Uh, and, um, but also a bit of relief because of so many close calls. And then actually I realized this is the job. This is amazing. Like, this is one of the, jobs of the year you know there's, a, there's getting a job's great but an iconic show like this and to have will and quincy jones behind it, it it's amazing has will been down to set uh not yet he's filming emancipation uh oh, but yeah. we've been getting text messages via his pa saying like we all look amazing and you know it's nice to know that he signed off on me as well do you know what i mean um, oh yeah uh, yeah you know you sort of you've put the job but you know he's he saw all the tapes and I think we're going to be seeing him in, in a few weeks or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, and it's just a great vibe on set. I feel like his energy, as well as the creator, Morgan Cooper's energy, it's just amazing. They're just really beautiful, good people, big hearts. And, yeah, everyone's having fun. And did you ever find out? I mean, you, it, 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 might not, it might not interest you, but did you ever find out what they'd seen that put you on their radar in the first place? Do you ask that question? Do you want to sort of know? Was it like, what did you see me in that's put me in front of you? Um, you you know what, like, I think my team had been pushing hard for it. You know, mm -hmm. like they, when they heard, they heard, they, I think it's a particular type of role where not everyone is a, like a bit more of a, not everyone's a natural fit. I think my team were like, no, this, this is definitely you, definitely you. And I, and I, and I, when I spoke to the director, they were aware of my work. And I think in America, you know, uh, especially with the stuff like in the long run was on stars uh, I'd, uh, you know, I'd done Arrow as well. So you've got different forms. Actually, you've got me doing like drama with Arrow and doing indie movies out here. But then also you've got me doing sort of almost coming to the America-esque comedy within the long run. And, and I think even though we're doing a drama, they wanted an actor that just had that, those nuances within them to be able to give us a bit of a flavor of the old Jeffrey, but at the same time, this is going to be a dramatic version. And so I feel like I was in with a, great shot because of the work they'd already done but at the same time you just never know do you you just never know uh but they did say after my first tape they were like yeah we think that's the guy and then when I did the recall it was terrible my recall I couldn't see them the zoom wasn't working that's why I was asking you when we started can oh, you see me so you know what it's like Alec, acting 101 never look at yourself in the mirror imagine yeah. doing the biggest audition of your life and you can't see the person that you're reading with so what I can see is myself and I, you know, as an actor, I was like, well, I'm just going to have to give it a go. <laughs> that sounds like torture. Crazy. Like, 
Oh crazy, right? I couldn't see in them. And like the, and the actor, the director's giving me notes. And so Jerry's you know, not, we've got eye contact right now. So I'm like, okay, are you just giving me notes? But in your head, you're going, well, I'm doing it bad. Cause he's saying, <laughs> give me all these notes. But if you see in the eyes, like, no, I like what you're doing. If yeah. they're not saying that, and you can see he's like, I'm just trying to give you a different direction. So I felt like I jumped through some mad hoops to get it, but it's that weird thing in it. When it's yours, it's yours. Mm. And, uh, yeah. I mean, you say, like, this is the show. Does it feel like the biggest or at least one of the biggest shows you've done? Yes, it does. It does, Alex. It does. Um, And what's great about it is that it's, uh, you know, it's a story that's been told by Morgan Cooper. It's his vision. You know, there's there's a sense of, like, Black excellence about it as well, you know, and and in an inclusive way. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what upbringing you've had. Everybody knows the show, but the way that we are telling this story with the people behind it and the way that they've just been able to nurture Morgan Cooper and allow him to impart his vision on the world, it's just beautiful. And I think you have to look at someone like uh, Will Smith as well to sort of... Obviously, Will Smith's a name that can green light a lot, but he yeah. still has to make the decision to say, I'm going to back this guy. I'm going to back this guy, Morgan Cooper. And not only that, you know, I'm going to back this young guy, you know, Jabari Banks. And, 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 and it starts from the top. And, it's, and, and this feeling is, is, is across the whole of the production, the, the production team, the crew. And there's a, there's a sense of excitement and everybody's proud, but also we've got to do the work, Alex, right? You can't just be bathing in the, oh, look at that, Will Smith behind it. Oh, it was a great show. There's still a sense of that we... We've got to turn up and do the work and everybody's pointing in the same direction and working hard to make this the best show that it can be. I'm excited. As I said at the start, it sounds like it's, I won't lie. It sounds like a kind of out there idea, but in a really interesting way, I would never have thought of it. Like the idea Mm. of taking a sitcom and retelling a similar story in the modern day. It sounds great. So that's what you're doing right now. But like, just to take you back to the very beginning, when did you first decide that you wanted to be an actor that set you on this path to now being in Los Angeles making this show? Oh, that's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I wanted to be a footballer first, you know, when I was young, I wanted to play professional football and, um, but drama, uh, I went to a school called Cumberland school in East London, Canning town. And uh, I had an amazing drama teacher called Mr. Tyres. And he would always take me out of maths to help him in his drama classes, even the ones where, like, if I was in the first year, I'd be helping the fourth or the fifth years. And I think I was very easy to just be around people and just jump in and do what I need to do. But at no point, Alex, did I feel like I wanted to be an actor. And I had a moment where my family, a friend went to Silver Young's, and that's where all the young actors were going and they were popping up on TV. And a couple of my friends did, and I was like, wow. One friend, he literally was at my school, left, went to Silver Young's, and he had a nice little bit on uh, Only Fools and Horses. And I was like, wow. But I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to have a normal sort of upbringing, go to normal school. I didn't know much about state school, but just from, you know, the vibes that I pick up, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to play football with my mates, get some chicken and chips afterwards on the Barking Road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go home and yeah. play, you know, play the Mega Drive. Not to give away my age. <laughs> um, a Mega Drive? What on yeah. earth is that? <laughs> I, I stop that, stop that. I know what um, a Mega Drive is. I know. <laughs> We're the same age. Uh, but seriously, um, I left, so I left secondary school, 
with an A in drama. And, uh, and then I went to Epping Forest College and I still wanted to be an actor. And I just said, the woman wouldn't let me on the course at first. She was like, you've only got an A, you've got too many, all my C's turned into D's. I was having too much fun at school. And then um, I, I, I really stuck up for myself. I was like, look, I'm better than a BTEC first diploma. So let me do the BTEC national diploma, which is two years. If I was gonna do the first, it would have been three years. I was like, I ain't got time for that. Uh, she said, okay, if you retake English, I retook it. A week later, I was given an assignment to uh, do a monologue, to be fact or fiction. And I wrote this monologue about going to the West End, Trocadero with my brother and playing Street Fighter all night. Him and me had five pounds each given by our eldest brother. We spent all that money on the Street Fighter, you know, trying to be the best players in the arcade. And, and then we stayed out all night and walked home, but we, uh, we saw some orange juice and on the side by this bakery shop and we, we picked it up, put it in our pockets and then we got arrested <laughs> because, <laughs> because someone had been stealing stuff for like weeks and months and they thought it was me, my brother and a couple of our friends. So I did like a Eddie Murphy raw, you know, sort of stand up monologue about that where mm. I play all the different characters, you know, I play my father come to get me at the police station. You know, I was dressed like a, you know, like a, thinking I was like this rude boy on the streets that, you know, when I was like 16, 15, I had a soundtrack of Apache, uh, no, uh, UK Apache Indian, you know, the, the junglist tune. And it was amazing. And then at the end of it, Alex, I got a standing ovation. And wow. the buzz, Alex, the buzz, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. It was like an arrow just went bang. It was like, I want to be an actor mm -hmm. and I don't want to go to university. I want to go to drama school. I want to get an agent. I want to start working. It all happened in that one moment. I still tried to hold on to the football stuff, but the more that I fell in love with acting, I, I stopped playing semi-pro football and the rest is history. I am. I've gone from the Barking Road to, to Sunset Boulevard in <laughs> Los, Los Angeles. That's amazing that it was just that one moment and that, yeah. you know. Yeah. It just hit me. And I think my drama school teacher saw it in me, you know, but I didn't see it. You know, when some people see the things in you that you can't see. And yeah. now when I look back, I was like, well, it does sort of make sense. I, I love drama. I love sort of pretending to be people. But I had, there was, when I went to drama school, Academy of Live Recorded Arts, when I met, I was one of the youngest, 17, just turning to 18. But a lot of my peers, they knew they wanted to be actors from like six or seven, you know? Mm. They, they, they knew what, you know, what backstage meant or <laughs> funny joke. I remember when I heard the, the, the term, uh, take out the blacks. I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I was like, I'm from East London. You can't say, oh, oh, that's the curtain thing. <laughs> that, like, cause it's not my world, Alex. I'm not like, yeah. I'm not like what, what, what's going on here? <laughs> How archaic is this disgusting industry? All oh, right, sorry, right, got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. There's no chips here. There's no chips on the shoulder here. <laughs> but I, I was just coming from a, I was just a normal working class East London guy that had, Got into drama school. I couldn't afford it. Luckily, I, I wrote to Newham, one of the poorest boroughs in the East, to say, look, I, I'm working as an usher at Theatre Royal Stratford East, so I'm paying for my rent in my little council flat. I just need the fees so I can go to the school. I'm probably one of two, if not the only one in East London right now, that's got into a drama school. Please help. And they did. And it was like the last sort of time when the, the government, they were doing those grants. And I just, I just, I, 
I don't know, I was just coming from a place of, I was quite naive and green, but I loved pretending to be people. <laughs> and then from drama school, you learn that it's a bit more than that, but that's the, that was where it started for me. So it started when you got the standing ovation. Did you get some laughs as well? If it was a bit, yeah. was it like? Lots of laughs. I, for me, comedy has been my way into acting. I love comedy. I'm not a stand-up comedian, but I grew up, you know, Eddie Murphy's, Steve Martin's and stuff like that. Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor. So laughter was always a validation for me that I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when I got that laughter doing that monologue, it did remind me of the beginning of, uh, I think is it Delirious, where we, when Eddie Murphy's uh, wearing the red suit, but before that moment, he's a little kid, Samuel Jackson's part of the family's an uncle, and he, he tells a rude joke about, he's about eight, he says, I kicked the lion, lion in the doo-doo or something like mm -hmm. that. And all the, all the family are like, <gasps> and Samuel Jackson's like, oh my God, that boy's got talent, you know? <laughs> and then it cuts to Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> When I yeah. got that standing ovation, I felt like Eddie Murphy on stage, you know. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, and yeah, and I suppose the applause, Alex, and the laughter for me, I realized were, that was me scoring a goal or making assists as a footballer. The pitch for me was being on stage, you know? And then the competitiveness of got win this game is me going, I've got now this part or, you know what I mean? I, I need to be the best that I can be as this character. 
So you just readjusted, you know, the drive from yeah. one. That, that's yeah. that's yeah. interesting. I actually, I remember asking uh, your co-star from Rev, Olivia Coleman, um, like at the Empire Awards years ago. I, I, I said to her, I was like, so which do you prefer? Because I knew her as a comedy actress, but I think she she just done the first thing I'd seen her in as a dramatic actress. And I, I said to her, do what do you prefer, comedy or drama? And she said drama, like in a, in a split second drama. And I remember being so surprised by that because for me, I, I've always considered comedy to be the the more difficult skill potentially to learn. And I'm not saying I'm right. This is this was my view of it, that comedy is the more difficult skill to learn and potentially the most rewarded. Mm, what where yeah. would you put yourself on that scale? Mm. I guess I guess the question is like I, I guess to simplify it. Would you say it's easier to be a great dramatic actor who can then learn the skill to be a comedy actor? Or do you think comedy is something that is kind of not innate, but a much more difficult skill to learn? You could be a great dramatic actor and never potentially be able to nail comedy. I think comedy is much harder to, to learn. Yeah, I think it's, it's something you either have or you don't. And, uh, and I think... It's weird. I, I love doing comedy, but I think I'm the same with Olivia. I think it's drama. I think it's drama. Yeah, I get told, Jimmy, you don't do enough comedy because, you know, you're great. And, I'm, and I think there's a sense of me that I like to keep people guessing. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I, was, yeah. I feel like there's a version where if I continue to do comedy, that's all I might end up doing, which could be great. But I think once you taste if you've come from that space, I think what Olivia might be talking about is that once you do drama, it gives you such a, I don't know, you, it's such a different feeling, you know? And, 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 and you're able to stretch yourself in a complete different way. And it's so refreshing that it becomes more appealing. And at the same time, you know, you, you get more, I don't know, I get more opportunities with the comedy, but I, there's something about, there's something about being as real as authentic as you can be. And you always have to have that with comedy, but to not have any instant feedback with laughter or any sort of get out clause of trying to make people laugh, just to be, as we're talking now as human beings and just to be in, in that pocket, I think it's really sort of hard and, and, and tricky. And, and also it, I think it shakes things up for me. I feel like I want to lean into that. And um, mm. and like and play like real life, real life people and stuff like that. So I think I'm the same. I think I'm the same. I might change my mind in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so do you kind of internalize the sort of the reward system? Like for example, uh, I, I do want to talk about Kate and Koji. But for example, you are you're filming that in front of a live studio audience, so you are getting a laugh when something mm. is funny, and that immediately goes nailed it. Big laugh, got that yeah. light, and and there's a, there's a response from other people. If you are playing a dramatic role, do you then know internally, you go, fucking hell, I really, really nailed that performance, that moment in that scene. Are you still being able to no. sort of, you don't get that? No, I don't, I don't think so, no. I, no, I don't, if we start thinking like that's when, <laughs> you're like, what happened to that actor, Jimmy? I can't work. It, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work anymore because you're too aware. Um, no, I feel like I have to, when I'm in the drama, I'm just, 
I'm just in it. I'm, I can't really think about the, the outside response. You know, mm. I might have a feeling afterwards we do the take. Oh yeah, that felt good, but mm, I don't know. But with studio live comedy, once you get that laughter, that's brilliant. But actually when you do single cam comedy, like something like Rev or Kirby Enthusiasm, mm. there's no uh, immediate laughter. So again, you're having to straddle that line of being really sure. real. You know what I mean? In the moment. Um, but no, when I do drama, no. I mean, sometimes after I do a take, I might be like, yes, brilliant. <laughs> we, we smacked that. You know what I mean? And then the director's like, yeah, go no, again. Do another one. Yeah. <laughs> the lighting wasn't right. You missed your mark. Something yeah. completely inconsequential to your performance, but you have to do it again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kate and Koji, like, um, what, first of all, what's a massive hit? Uh, that was like, in, I think the first episode was like 6 million viewers. And then it was always above 4 million, which puts it in the bracket of some of the, like the most watched sitcoms yeah. in the UK, yeah. um, no. which is a, a massive in itself, B massive because I think it's been about se it was seven years since ITV had done a studio based yeah. sitcom in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, what attracted you to become part of that project? Um, first of all, I would say it was the writers, uh, Andy and, uh, Hamilton and uh, Guy Jenkins, you know, through the work they'd done, Outnumbered, Drop yeah. Dead Donkey, I did Ballot Monkeys with them. Like, they are, you know, the goats of comedy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, they, you, with comedy, there needs to be an element of trust. You know what I mean? Is and, uh, and so I was excited to work with them, but also for me also where my career was going I wanted to show what I could do do more sort of leading roles do you know what I mean I was doing it in some ways with uh, uh Valentine but it's it, I was one of the main leads but it's, it was Idris's story and then like stuff with like Rev or, or Big School I, I was sort of coming in and coming out do my little cameo bits get some laughs and get out and it was really nice to to have my first sort of title lead in the UK you know, and again, this was a job that I booked while I was in the UK, but I've been living in the US. So I'm always sort of conscious of like, okay, the pots, like where am I with the theater? You know, as 2016, I've done the Royal Court. That was great. Uh, but in terms of like UK TV, what's been, I haven't really had a lead, you know? And so it was great to do that in terms of the comedy side of things. Um, and, uh, and then also I love the story because, when, when, when I first sort of read the synopsis, I was like, ooh, ooh, is this, I'm not sure about this. But when I read the script, I was like, ah, this is very clever. It has a, if you look at it, just, just without a glance, you're like, ooh, it's got a bit of a 80s love thy, thy neighbor vibe to it. Right. You know, just because you just look at, what's, what's going on here? We're not in those yep. times anymore. But actually, the, it's very clever because when you watch it, it's not that at all. It's much more sophisticated and it's really addressing a lot of the the issues that are going on today and 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 actually she's there were some comments people saying oh she's racist she's, she's not she's just like a moany woman that's horrible <laughs> to everybody but because you're seeing her be a certain way with a person of color and where we are they're like oh no you can't do that and it's like no listen to what's being said and and listen to how my character is he's he's a wealthy you know, doctor from Africa that's also a bit snooty looking down on this little working class calf, you know? <laughs> and so it was a, I just felt like it was 
it was a brave show to do and you know a little bit like risky and I, I, I tried to do that with my work and actually once I heard Brenda was doing it I'm a massive fan of Brenda Blethyn I was mm. like I, I can't wait I've got to do this it's, it's weird isn't it I mean I, I you know I hope that it launches more studio-based sitcoms because, like I say, they're a rare beast in the UK. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, you look over where you are now in America and you've got, I mean, any number of, like, massive sitcoms from Cheers to Frasier to, you Big know... Bang uh, Theory, yeah. Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men. Uh, did you sort of look to any of those for, not inspiration, but were you sort of, I don't know what the word is, advice yeah. or, 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 or guidance? Alex, no, I did. I did. I, I tell you what, you know, like I grew up watching a lot of those that you've mentioned, but for me, I thought about the iconic characters, you know, like people like Roger Lloyd Pack, Trigger, you know, mm. those mm. ones we like, oh, I love Trigger. And then, and then another one was, uh, is it Miles that plays Frazier's brother? Niles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like they were two people that popped in my head in terms of, impact and people that you were always excited to see when they were on screen and when I when I thought about Koji I was like it'd be great if I could sort of have an essence of that 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 this character that we're, we're rooting for him even though he can be a bit of a stuck up uh you know get at times but like this thing where you really you're starting to notice his little ticks and his little isms and um and and so I did I looked at but because a lot of the classics they worked for a reason you know, and, 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 I, and I like to sort of be quite surgical then take a bit of that bit of that. And then let me put that in this pot in terms of what I'm trying to create with my with my character. And I do that with a lot of my work. I, you know, I sort of even uh, like the, the character in Rev, you know, I thought about Samuel Jackson a lot, you know, in terms of when he was a gator in a, uh, uh, Jungle White Fever. And, you know, and then his personal journey about being, a, you know, working through the he's his drugs and journey and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's life as well, isn't it? You, I try to pull on all the experiences and also the things I've seen growing up and, and the areas that I've, I've grew up in, in around. I mean, uh, is there going to be a season two just before I move on? Because I, I, I know there was talk of a season two, but I think, you know, it was supposed to start filming about now really yeah there, there is, that was me uh, yeah. that was me looking at my clock by the way yeah, I yeah, to, yeah. I was, i've got a clock <laughs> like, on the yeah. wall that tells me the dates it's got a massive yeah. date on it i was like yeah november the 8th yeah about now no there is going to be a a season two and um i'm just in terms of dates and stuff i'm not sure obviously everybody's busy so it's about when that's going to happen mm. and um i know you said uh you know you're sort of aware of not doing too much comedy i think you said in a, an interview i read um where you said you like to balance, you know, you want to do drama and then you want to do comedy. Then you want to yeah. do drama when you do comedy. And um, you've done a lot of comedy recently, though. I think it's fair to yeah. say. Yeah, um, no, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you up in um, the little show that could, the, the show that sort of everyone was like, all right, that turned into Apple TV's uh, massive hit, Ted Lasso. Um, yeah. you, were, you, you were there at the very start of that. Yeah, yeah. It's so, a friend sent it to me yesterday going, an American friend, like, wow, like, because a lot of people are coming to it late, you know, because mm. Ted Lasso is just taking over everything. It's been, been a massive hit. But yeah, that was a great gig. I remember booking that here in the UK. And I've always been a fan of Jason Sudeikis. I mean, mm. booking that in the US, I did. And I flew back for it. And, and again, here I am, I booked another comedy. So I was doing In the Long Run, 
<laughs> Ted Lasso, and then uh, Kate and Koji, like three comedies, you know, at the same time. Um, but also, it's not that oh, it's a comedy, I'm not going to go out for it. If it's good, then I want to do it. And, and also, I like to work with great people. You know, Jason Sudeikis is very funny. He improvises quite a lot. I love to impro as well. And, um, and so on set with him was a dream because you, you've got the little bit that's written and then you just, you just, you're just playing, you're just playing. He says what he wants to say. I say what I want to say. And then they keep what they want to keep in the edit. And, and I think originally we were going to, Ollie, my character was going to have more of a journey, but they were, I think they were writing as they go along. And I had booked a drama, uh, a quibby drama called uh, Most Dangerous Games with a uh, Most Dangerous Game with uh, Liam Hensworth and Christoph uh, Waltz which was drama, you know, drama, mm-hmm. thriller. So I was a bit like, well, I'm doing this. I've booked it. And they didn't really get to use me as much uh, as they would have liked. And then I was like, I've got to go to Vancouver and shoot that. So again, it's nice to have had a little cameo in a great hit show. Uh, but at the same time, I think that's a perfect example of me going, yes, I want to do this comedy, but hey, I've got to go and do this drama as well. Let's, let's keep people getting and let me keep flexing, you know, the muscles in, in both areas. And when it, obviously, because like you say, it was right at the start that you were doing it. Did you, did they feel like they had a hit on their hands or was it a bit more like fingers crossed? Let's see what happens here. You know what? Actually, it's a good question. It's a good question. I think it had a bit of a feeling like it, it could be hit. Yeah. I think if I remember, there was rumours that a season two was going to happen before we stopped filming. You know, like oh, wow. there was still a couple of months and I think the execs were very happy. And I think what, what already they had in the editing room was looking great. And and actually it's, it's weird, right? Because you never really want to start having those conversations and feeling like that because it can be the kiss of death, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels, something feels really good. I think this is going to be the one. And it's, <laughs> but this show definitely, it, it, it killed it. It, it just... Yeah. I think it was the timing for that type of content as well, you know, off the back of where we all were in the world. I just think it was the perf- perfect show, you know, cup of tea, some biscuits, locked down and watch Ted Lasso. That's it. Yeah, there was a lot of that, uh, a lot of that, but a good show. But yeah, but also, yeah, people were desperate for some content. But then Apple TV had loads of other content and that one, you know, it broke through. So it's true, it's so- true Alex, actually, it's true. Testament to that show. Now you've mentioned this show a couple of times, uh, and so I, I feel fine to to talk about uh, being part of the Arrowverse. Uh, let's talk about some drama. That must have been kind of fun playing um, Baron Writer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he a super powered bad guy. I mean, yeah. that's is that was that an itch that you you wanted to scratch? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. You've got comedy, you got drama, and you got. Some of superhero stuff. Look at those um, guns. Look you know, at those guns. <laughs> you know what, Alex? One of my best friends, he's he's uh he's much more of a sort of comic Marvel DC nerd than me, but right. he was the one that put me onto sort of Arrow. And I was like, I I I was a Smallville fan back in the day. I was like, yeah. yeah. And then he's like, no, you should check it out. I was like, no, nah, I don't think I'm gonna like it. Started watching it and then I just binged the whole sort of <laughs> season up to the end of a uh, series three. And then, um, and then it's so funny, just back to LA, I got here uh, in 2015, in three weeks, I, I tested three times, didn't get a job. Then I went back to do Ballot Monkeys with the creators of Kate and Koji. Yeah. Uh, so I'd only been in the US for like 
maybe three months straight after Ballot Monkeys, I landed straight back into LA. That night, I got uh, an audition for Arrow. And, um, and sorry, during the first three months, I auditioned for Damien Dark in season four. He was the main villain in real time. Mm. So I went in there, I wore like a green uh, George Oswald Botang suit. Cause I was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to go in there. You know, I, was, I did it as a Brit, as an American. And they, I went up, it was like a computer game. I went from one round to another round. Then <laughs> I was like with the top producers, Mark Guggenheim. And I think Belanti was looking at my tapes and I got out of this audition. Saw a couple of my mates there. They was like, how did you go? How did you go? I was like, mm. but in, I felt like I smacked out of the park. I was like, come <laughs> on. Me and my friend were in the car. He's got a little convertible. I get the call. I'm like, hello? My manager's like, Jimmy, they loved you. Uh, they they, they want to pin you. I was like, great, great. What does that mean, pin? It's like, <laughs> a pencil. It's like a pencil. I was like, okay, okay, okay. For the main villain. And he's like, do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, I've just, this, of course I want to do Arrow, you know? Because your manager's always thinking like big picture. If you do this, you can't do the movie. I was like, I want to do it. Anyway, I'm preparing for, I'm going to be the new villain in Arrow. And then I don't get it. And they go with, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's a big actor, blonde hair, like crystal blue eyes, done like uh, loads of movies and stuff like that. And I was like, well, he's much more experienced and well-known, but I was like, damn, I was so close. And so fast forward back to coming back to the US after being away for a couple of months. So I landed and that same night, um, I got an audition for Arrow to, for Baron Writer. And apparently, you know, I put it out on Twitter, I'm back in LA, this is my fourth month. And then I think one of the casting directors was following me and they contacted my agent. I went in the next day, just learned it that night. And it was, again, a bit bumpy, you know, a bit bumpy in terms of like, I didn't feel like I was in a proper flow because I just landed. But I got the role, I got the role. And originally, Alex, it was just guaranteed three episodes recurring. Uh, and again, the competitive guy in me is like, all right, if you're going to play me for just three games, you know what I mean? But not the final. Well, I'm going to bang in a hat trick. So you make sure you keep using me. And after the first episode, the manager was like, Jimmy, they love what you did. They've booked you for another five. And in the end, I had a whole arc and I did yeah. 15 of, uh, of, of the 22 and, uh, and became you know, one of the main villains in the, in the flashbacks. And that was my first gig. That was like my first sort of, four months of being in LA, you know? And so that was amazing. And in year two, <laughs> didn't go as well. <laughs> the yin and yang, the yin and yang, you know what I mean? I'm still working, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but suddenly LA opens up and you're looking at all these other things and, you know, House and Cars auditions or, you know, Independence Day movie auditions and, and you don't get them and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but then you don't have time to be too down because more things come all the time but for me to be a part of the arrow universe and 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 also trying to make an impact Alex you know I was like I looked at all the different villains I don't know my favorite villain was a uh, Manu Bennett's character um mm. what's his name Blade right uh oh is it Deathstroke ah oh, I can't forget his name I forgot his name but he was one of the best villains yeah, Deathstroke, I believe. Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or Slade Wilson or whatever. Yeah, Deathstroke. So I was like, Deathstroke was brilliant. He killed Arrow's mom, like the yeah. samurai sword. I was like, oh, if I can do something like that. And then, Alex, they're giving me this, 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 all these superpowers. I'm searching for this 
I was just like, oh, this is great. I, I killed a plane by doing that. I was like, come on. I'm picking up Stephen Amell and like throwing him across, across the set. I was like, this, I am living my dream. Yeah, you get to say things like uh, valiant effort, Mr. Queen, but still <laughs> only mortal. <laughs> come on, come yeah. on. I great loved stuff. it. I loved it. So it was a great, yeah, great job. That's amazing, though. That's a really useful, that's two really useful points there, I guess, for anyone who who is, is like, oh, I really want to, you know, book work and, you know, get more work is A, be on social media and tell people which city you're in. <laughs> by going, I'm back in L.A. It's like, oh, he's in L.A. Oh, let me call him. That's great. Yeah. And also, yep. I, lo- I love the idea that they've got you for three episodes on paper and then you go in, show them what you can do. And suddenly they're like, let's call it a, a round 15, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I thank you. Because there's another way going, oh, I've just got three. I'll speak to some actors. They just... Oh, just and it's like no it doesn't have to be like that do your work and you know and do it well and it can be much more like the girl that plays um uh, felicity she 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 had a couple of episodes she was playing the assistant the geeky assistant and then she was so good that they just kept writing her in and then she became the love interest right mm-hmm. the original love interest her storyline just went a bit sideways and and you went with her and but when you see how good she is and the rapport that they had on screen, you're like, it's a no-brainer. It's mm. a complete no-brainer. So I don't know, the more of the story is do the work and do your best and leave it up to... Yeah, and believe that the control is in your hands as well, I guess. The idea that on paper it's like, oh, this is just what I've been done, but you actually still have the power to, you know, shift the uh, the parameters of what you're yeah. uh, going to be doing. That's cool. And also, and also, Alex, when you don't get the jobs... Trust when they, you know, I had feedback. We love Jimmy and it's easy to dismiss it. But the fact that they called me back was because when I auditioned for Damien Dark, you know, the original lead, uh, that they remembered me. You know what I mean? And, 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 it, and it was about finding the right thing. That was the feedback. We, you know, we loved you. That didn't work, but we want to find something for you. But I think a lot of us actors go, oh, you're just saying that. You're just trying to <laughs> ease the blow. But actually, <laughs> yeah. you never know who's watching. Put your best foot forward, do your best thing, and uh, you never know when it's going to come back round. Yeah, and don't walk out of the room going, you don't want me, well, screw you then. Yeah, See you yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> or put that on social media. <laughs> That's cool, though. I mean, I on the outside looking in, I'd imagine I'd be quite nervous, like walking into an environment where you are like walking into a show where, the cast have been there for a while. They've done a few years at this point and, and you're new and, you know, they may be welcoming. They might not be welcoming. They might be like, this is my trailer. I'll be in there. I'll come out for my scenes. I, you know, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to do a job. So I just wonder, you know, whether they, they were welcoming to you or whether it's very much, you know, you walk in and you go, it doesn't matter, you know, what the atmosphere is like. I know I can do this when it comes to the crunch. It's a bit of both, Alex. I think that, that there was definitely an element of uh, it matters. There's an expectation, like, you know, you, you've got this role, you need to come in and knock out the park, even mm-hmm. though like your scenes at the end of the day, the lights go in, you've got a big <laughs> monologue, Jeremy <laughs> talking and all this sort of heightened, sort of Shakespearean language. And, um, <laughs> and, and, but there is a sense there was a, my first day I was like, oh, I'm feeling the pressure. They're under, you know, they're, they're rushing. 
and it's on me first, you know, because they do do the number one last even. And I just felt like, okay, I've really got to like drill down and and uh, lean on, like they don't really know the work I've done, like lean on the work I've done in theatre, TV and film in the UK, across the world, and just do my thing. And I remember it really, that competitive edge came out again in terms of like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to show you guys. I, I'm going to show you Mr. McQueen, you know, mm. like this is who I am. And, uh, and I remember it, that was when I really cemented the character because of the situation of, are you prepared, Jimmy? You know, lay it down, show them what you can do. And also try not to let the pressure of like, they're all looking at their watches. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because this was like, it was my opening, my opening scene. Um, and, and I think, again, I think they saw that, they saw that, the producers saw that, the, you know, the showrunners saw that. And I think that was the beginning of like, we're going to use this guy more and more and give him, you know, great scenes. And, uh, and, but I do think in America, there is that sense of, there's no time to really wobble. You hear stories about it, but you really do have to turn up and be on your best game. Um, so Arrow is drama. We've done a lot of comedy. We're talking about another drama, which is obviously yeah. on ITV Hub now, which yes. is The Tower. Um, so tell me, like, tell me what excited you about this script? Because you know, stranger really to a crime drama. I think that's fair to say. You've done you've done some before, but yeah. apart from this wonderful, if grisly, premise of two people falling from a tower block and the mystery beginning to unfold about who they, why they fell. Uh, it's a great premise on paper. Mm -hmm. What excited you about getting involved in The Tower? You know what excited me about this, Alex, is that when I read the script, it was almost like it was written immediately, immediately in the middle of 2020, in the middle mm -hmm. of the pandemic. But actually it's based off of post-mortem Kate London's novel, which was written a few years ago. And, I, and, and the reason why it felt like it had been written in the middle of the pandemic by Patrick Harbinson, who wrote Homeland. Again, yeah. I'm a massive fan. I'm still watching Homeland now. I just think mm. that's an amazing show. And I didn't actually know Patrick was British, but when I read this script that he had adapted from the novel, it had, we're in a place where we're talking about microaggressions and unconscious bias. And within this lean script, all within the unsaid and the subtext, I could just see it all, you know, in terms of, it wasn't just about racism, you know, it was also about sexism, abuse of power, uh, uh, you know, unconscious, unconscious bias, community, what does community mean? You know, if there's a certain diverse community but someone else comes in from another like country, you know, you know do, do you accept them? And why don't you accept them? What are you thinking? And, and within that, you've got George Floyd happening, right? You've got uh, issues about the Metropolitan Police still happening. And, 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 and this three-parter sort of deals with all these things without actually hitting the audience over the head with it. And it's got, it's got such a complex, it's so complex and it's so nuanced. And for me, that excites me. That changes uh, a project being a normal, oh, this is another drama. Like yeah. when people watch this, even it's so different. It feels like it's not an ITV drama. No, again, no disrespect to ITV in terms of what they put out, but it feels like almost like a, HBO sort of, you know, cable type of uh, a drama. And, uh, and, and that's what excited me. And also the, the original character in the book, he's a, 
sort of gruffly old white guy and they, they changed it. You know, they, they auditioned everybody, but they picked me. And I said to the producers, like, I'm so, thank you, but I, I'm really interested to this police officer's journey because he would have been through the sort of the McPherson report, Stephen Lawrence times. He would have grown up at a time where, you know, you've got sus, stop and search, you know. And so what was it like for a young black officer to be a part of the Metropolitan Police for these last 15 to 20 years, you know, and how hard is it for him? Why did he join the police force? And again, that we don't have scenes that he goes into his backstory, but within what's going on in the story, those things do pop up. You can't not see Steve's reactions to certain things and certain conversations he had. And, and that's what excited me because it just made it much more current and relevant to where we are today. So that's interesting. So initially on the page of the script, he was written as a white guy. Uh, on the, or, or yeah. in the, in the, in the novel, in the novel. In the, in the novel. novel, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, but when, yeah. when you got the script for the series, uh, it, it, it wasn't, wasn't specific. The... It wasn't specific, you know? Right, it's right. one of those ones where, you know, we've been there before, where do you say it or do you not? It, it yeah. just didn't say his race, but it did say the race of Lizzie, uh, Tahira plays, and she was white in the book. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I knew that she was, uh, she was black, but he didn't say about Steve. So do they, at that point... I mean, obviously, it helps you with your, your backstory and understanding where your character, and like you say, everything you just said, everything he's been yeah. through. Do, does that need to then make its way onto the page? And does there need to be, you know, rewriting done because you've been cast yeah. as this character? Yeah, definitely tweaks. And that's what I loved. I've, I'd worked with Jim Loach before uh, and uh, Patrick Harbison. We jumped on a call and we had those discussions because the show also talks about having the awkward discussions, right? The, mm. the uncomfortable discussion. I suppose in some ways they were leaning, they were ready to have it, but this was a part of it. Going, okay, guys, this is what we're doing, but how you've written it, it can't stay like this. This is different because of all these different things. If you're making this a black guy, it would be different because of X, Y, and Z. And, and they were very open to that. And so things were changed. Certain scenes were tweaked and certain scenes were added. And, um, and, and, and I think that's the right way. That's how it should be, right? Because hmm. otherwise, again, you're being lazy and it's not starting from the truthful place. You know, you can't just, all right, rub it out, let's change the white to black and just leave it. <laughs> like, no, yeah. there's different nuances that need to be considered. And, uh, and they did a lot, you know, not tons, but, uh, but quite a bit did get changed off the back of our conversations to make the story even more uh, complex and nuanced. And that was collaborative with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's how it, sh- it, it should be and how it can be, you know, to make a, a better show for everyone. And uh, mm. it's really interesting things. I grew up in a time where, I don't know, they still happen now, like like certain jokes, like banter gets said, and it's sort of like, mm, that's, that's, that's quite offensive. But do I, do I pull it up <laughs> right now in the middle of the pub in front of people or do I let it go, you know? And I think the tower really addresses that. So some people can say certain things, you're like, yes, out of order. Does it mean that they're completely terrible people? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think this show is going to have a lot of people debating and going, who's right and wrong or whose side are you on? Because nothing's ever black and white, you know? Even if you look at where we are in the world, are you a Brexit supporter? Are you Trump? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you Labour, Conservative? And then you start putting that into friendships and families and you realise that sometimes in some ways we're losing the ability to 
to converse and have different opinions and viewpoints and still exist. It's, it, it's very true. And I mean, these, uh, these are really, really fascinating questions that it'll be interesting to see the show handle because, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a, there's a danger now potentially of like, you know, ignorance is one thing. Uh, intention is another. But I think if someone, you know, to educate someone and go, you see, now that's not okay, is a conversation. And, you know, rather than, you know, alienating them and potentially driving them further down the the route of ignorance because yeah. you know they you haven't been able to you know go let's just talk about why that's not cool and instead gone shut them out yeah yeah but uh but also for me it's it's a sense of i think when i look at the show i think this is a step step forward how tv can be truly represent society you know what i mean mm. and sometimes i still see certain shows going Where's that supposed to be? Oh, that doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, Notting Hill, the movie. <laughs> it's like, ah, I don't, I don't know what Notting Hill that is. You know, and, um, <laughs> is that London? <laughs> is that London? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, I feel like this show had to sort of ask themselves themselves those questions and really trying to be authentic, right? That's what we want, authenticity. That's what we're looking for. Um, but also. I think there's another version of doing this show and it just hitting people over the head with it. It's in everybody's faces and it's a bit too much, but uh, this script doesn't do that. So I hope you enjoy it. Excellent stuff. So that's on ITV Hub. Available now, all three episodes of The Tower. Uh, you've been very gracious with your time, Jimmy. I'm sure you've got a, a, a busy day in Los Angeles. Congratulations, man. It looks like things are just flying at the moment and, um, and uh, well-deserved. I can't wait to see Bel Air. And um, thank you for your time, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. You know, I do tune in and listen to your stuff quite a bit. And uh, it's great to eventually be on here, you know, and um, have a lovely week. And I'm sorry that you're not getting any sun, but you know where I am. Yeah, oh, Come on. yeah. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. 
code PROGRAM. Hello, Alex Zane here. Thank you for choosing to listen to Just The Facts. And while you can still enjoy these episodes forever, you might want to check out our brand new show, A Trip to the Movies, where each week a different famous film fan curates their perfect night out at the cinema, picking what snacks they'd eat, where they'd sit, who they'd go with, and of course, what movies they'd screen. If you love cinema as much as we do, search A Trip to the Movies with Alex Zane or head to our socials at Trip to Movies Pod. That's at Trip to Movies Pod to find out more. <laughs> 